0: Good morning, and welcome to Inspirational Worship at Lovers Lane United Methodist Church, where all are welcome. As always, we welcome you to worship with us in person at 815, 930, or 11 a.m. at Lovers Lane United Methodist Church. In fact, it's not too late for you to join us today. We are located at the corner of Northwest Highway and Inwood Road at 9200 Inwood Road, Dallas, Texas. So won't you come and join us today? You would honor us with your presence. But for now, we Let's enjoy this message together with Senior Pastor Dr. Stan Copeland.
1: Today we are beginning our Lenten journey. Um, This Sunday, first Sunday of Lent, we're starting a new sermon series on God's promises. Now we're about to share God's promises week after week after week during this season of Lent. And I hope in doing so, that we are reminded over and over again who God is and who we are called to be and all of the goodness that we have because of who God is and who God intends for us to be. You know, oftentimes we say God is good all the time and I want us to know that God does not change in his goodness and his love. If he does change, if God does change, I know that God changes that he is even more and more intensely in love with us and good. That I know. And one of the most loving things that God has done, even though sometimes we wonder why, we don't have to wonder long. It is that God gave us free will to make choices. Now Sometimes those choices are absolutely tragic for us personally. And sometimes they're tragic at a, at a level that we know that, that, that those choices have, have bumped up into evil. And all kinds of terrible things can happen. And when our choices go against or they ignore or they mock, or even break God's promises. There's nothing that causes God more pain, or us more pain. The story has been told through the years about the goodness of our creation in the image of God, and our prone to disobey. The story that we read is about a snake and a woman and a man in this magical garden where life for human beings is so full of peace and so full of everything provided for them by a God who loved them, who promised them, this is all yours. It's yours and I'll be here always in the garden. I'm with you. And our faith story is about what God's like and what God's promises are like. And we know how that story goes. This magical garden, the man Adam, the woman Eve, this place where everything is there at their fingertips, all the animals, the beautiful plants, the butterflies, the birds, you name it, it's there. Everything good. And the man and the woman live in the garden, as the story goes, as a loving gift from God, and they have everything they could ever want. And they also live in this garden with but one prohibition, one command from God. You can eat of anything in the garden. You can enjoy everything that I have given to you. But there's one tree in the middle of the garden that is dangerous to you. And, and don't eat of that tree in the middle of the garden. Because when you do eat of the tree in the, the middle of the garden, if you, if you ever were to, you would die. So the choice is whether or not to be obedient to God, whether or not to trust God. That is at the heart of our human condition. Are we to that place that we trust God and enjoy God's promises for us? So in this magical garden, there's a talking snake. You seen one of those lately? And as the story goes, the woman and the snake are in the midst of a conversation. So God said, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden, the snake says. Is that what God said? And, and, and Eve is quick to respond to the snake and said, that's not what God said. God said that we could eat of all the trees in the garden. It's just that one tree in the middle of the garden that we're not supposed to take the fruit from and to eat. And if we do, God says we'll die. So the snake said... You won't die. God knows that the day that you eat of that fruit, you will know what God knows. You'll be like God. That's why God told you not to eat the fruit. God doesn't want that competition. God doesn't want you to be like God. And the snake disappears leaving the woman and the man a lot to think about. I like to think that the man was kind of listening on as the snake and the woman were talking. And so the woman looks at the tree and she looks at the fruit. She looks at the man who's heard everything. He looks at the fruit. And the next thing you know from deep within the garden, you hear crunch. And the magic is gone. At first it seems that the old snake was right, at least partially right, because the man and the woman don't die. I mean, they're alive, and and yet something's completely different. They don't know what God knows either, obviously, because they are in the midst of this a state that they'd never been in before, and the first thing they realize is that they're naked. Naked. And here are two people who've been running around naked and carefree for all of time. And all of a sudden they realize we're naked. And so they, they find a way to hide themselves first and then they find a way to cover themselves by sewing fig leaves together. Now that sounds comfortable. And they make clothes out of, out of fig leaves that they've sewn together. But the most important aspect of their reality is that they had, have broken the promise. They have disobeyed the covenant. God had told them one thing not to do and they did that very one thing. So we are people of free will. We make choices, our own free will. And God... Desires for us to be in perfect harmony and peace with with him in relationship with God. And yet, we have this quest for independence. And doing things and working things out on our own. And, And the more we do of that, the harder we fall. Meanwhile, back in the garden. It's a cool, breezy day as God's walking through the garden And God can't find the man and the woman. So God says, Yoo-hoo, woman. Man, where are you, man? And the man said, I heard you coming, so I hid myself in the bushes because I'm naked and I'm defenseless and I'm unprotected and I'm vulnerable and I'm afraid. Who told you, God said? That you were naked and defenseless and unprotected and vulnerable. Why are you afraid? Did you eat the fruit of the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Busted. And the man said, well, if you hadn't given me that woman. We've been trying that for years, guys. It doesn't work, didn't then, won't now. If you hadn't given me that woman, I was doing all right when it was just me and you, God, and now, you know, she's ruined everything. And God said, what have the two of you done? And the woman said, it was the snake. Now that's a humorous story, but the truth of the story is a bit uncomfortable because we know the truth of the story is so true about who you and i are who we're kind of prone to be if we're not living into our nature of being created in the goodness of god for the story tells us that we can be buck passers we can refuse to take responsibility for our own actions we find it hard to say i'm sorry we find it hard to repent right It's always somebody else's problem. I'm so tired this week of of, of hearing this aspect of the human condition lived out. I'm so tired of buck passing. And the story tells us that apart from God's perfect promise to us, We are fear-ridden, dying human beings and and we know that we're finite and that does all kinds of strange things to us because who who are we that we could possibly die as precious as we are? And yet we know that's ultimately our fate. And we human beings, apart from God's perfect promise, are bent toward being self-reliant. And too often trust ourselves rather than trusting God and God's promises. We can do it ourselves. We can fix things ourselves. We don't need God. We live as if we have all the answers. And at times we trust just ourselves to take care of ourselves. And that leads us to finding ourselves hiding in the bushes in the midst of our own shame and guilt and fear. And all of those negativities that come upon us when we realize We can't make it right. And many times we do feel alone. When we put our trust in ourselves and not in the God who didn't want us ever to feel alone, wanted us to constantly be reminded that He is with us, that that God is our constant companion. And we find ourselves naked and defenseless and unprotected and vulnerable. It is this discovery that leads to all kinds of fear and fears lead to all kinds of terrible things that we bring on ourselves and that we bring on others. I think evil uses fear more than anything else. Because fear causes us to retreat into ourselves oftentimes. And when we do that, that's the first big mistake. Because we can't conquer those fears by ourselves. All of us are reminded regularly about our own vulnerability and our own incapacity to save ourselves. There's a story about a monastery in, in Europe that's perched on a high cliff. And the cliff is, is, a, is nearly 200 feet straight up. And the way the monks get into the monastery, monastery is that there are, there are monks on top with a rope that pull a basket that will hold two individuals at most all the way up the side of that cliff to the monastery above. There was a reporter that wanted to do a story on this very unique monastery and and the way that you get to it. And so he gets into a basket with a rather large monk. And so they start being hoisted up the side of this cliff and, and, and the reporter begins to talk somewhat nervously. Have you all ever looked at another way to get to the top? No answer. Well, this doesn't seem all that safe. No answer. It's apparent that the rope is not brand new. In fact, he looked at the rope and it looked a little bit frayed. And so he asked the monk another question. He said, well, when do you you ever change this rope? This rope looks old, it looks frayed. And the monk said, when it breaks. (laughs) We have all had times in our lives when we felt that we were suspended in the basket. And all of us come to that moment at some time in our lives that we face the facts that we cannot save ourselves. That we're dependent upon another. And this story that we've read today is not so much about our sin and our disobedience as it is about the God who's constantly wanting to care for us. Even in the midst of our disobedience. We see this faith story... Concentrating on who the Creator is, We are naked and vulnerable, and we need to be clothed, and we do a poor, fig sewing job of clothing ourselves. And God is there, ready to clothe you and me. We're defenseless in this old snaky marsh. And we need a God who will come to our defense and stand beside us. And God said, I'm ready. And we're unprotected in this far cry from a magical garden here. In this world that we know so well, especially this week, is so riddled with violence and and evil, it seems, is pervasive. And here we are, feeling unprotected, When God wants us to know, I'm here. And we're afraid. We find ourselves hiding in the brush and trying to cover up and trying to to fake it. You remember that the whole garden had been freely given to the man and to the woman. Everything in it. With only one restriction. And so often we need to be reminded when we go against the covenant of God, when we go against the promises of God, when we try to do things very much apart from God's intention for how to do things, then we find ourselves judged by our own actions. And God speaks about the reality of life that happens beyond the fall. God tells the talking snake, You will be despised as you slither on the ground eating dust. And furthermore, the people you once talked to will seek to bruise your head and you will seek to bruise their heel. We never get comfortable with the tempter. And to the woman, he said, you will have pain multiplied during one of the most beautiful experiences of your life childbirth and to the man you will have to work hard for your living where food was once at your fingertips it will now only come by hard work and sweat of the brow and then God looks at them pitiful as they are and they're sewn together fig leaves And God covers them, the scripture says, with garments and skins. And the garments and the skins of God's covering should represent to us God's grace and God's desire to take care of us even in the midst of our failures. God is still reaching out to them with that protective measure of, I want to cover you with my grace so that you won't feel vulnerable. You won't feel naked. You won't feel unprotected. You won't have to be afraid. And the main point of this story is to give us a clear picture of a loving God who is good as we say all the time. God is a generous God and is responsible to giving to us according to our need. All that we have has been given by God. And God does not want us to be afraid. God expects us to reach our fullest potential. God does not want us to live in guilt and shame. God wants us to know His pardon and forgiveness. God seeks us out not primarily to judge us, He seeks us out to cover us with His grace. So that we no longer will have to feel naked and exposed. What a week to talk about the fall. Bad choice or good choice. Don't we all need to be reminded of who we are? But more importantly, who God is? Especially this week. I want to tell you something this morning. Don't believe otherwise, because I'm right. Nicholas Cruz is not evil. He is guilty of a terrible atrocity. And and we can look back at his background and we can see all the hurt and all the pain and all the failures that he has experienced and all the nakedness that he, he, he came to own and his own vulnerability that would cause him to do something, would cause him to bump up into evil and do something horrific that he'll pay for, maybe with his life. Evil is real. And when we are the most vulnerable and the most naked and, the most, and feel the most unprotected and we feel the most fear, that's when we're more apt to succumb to racism and bigotry and defensive measures acting out of our own anger that are hard to explain. And you throw in easy-to-get guns in the midst of that and we got a problem You know, I've heard so many facts about how many shootings we've had in the last few years, how many shootings we've had this year alone in these seven weeks, that I don't even know what's right. But I want to tell you, if we've had one, it's too many. And I find myself again and again and again coming up to you right after such a tragedy and not knowing what to do. Feeling myself vulnerable and exposed and afraid. See, I'm a grandpa now. My big kids are out of school. My little baby, like Daniel, will go to a school one day. And you know what? I should have been just as concerned before I was a grandpa. And I like to think I was. But when this becomes personal. When Parkland, Florida is North Dallas, Texas. It causes us to think differently. And it should cause us to think we haven't done enough. Woe to us if we're satisfied with the way things are. And our politicians need to hear us. They need to hear us. And we need to to realize that that mental health issues are very real. and, And we need to address those too. We need to, to stop school bullying that does damage to kids and, and they're out to do nearly anything. We need to quit saying it's all right to act to act out racism and bigotry. It is not alright. In church we are responsible too. We should not feel satisfied. I don't know what we're going to do. I really don't. But if the church can't be a place where people come together and they can hear um, debate and they can hear solutions and can talk these things through, then where's a better place for that to happen? We've got to get beyond our political divides. This is not a... an issue of of Democrat and Republican, it's not a time for us to point fingers that you're wrong and you're right. It's not that time. It is time for us to say, look, we're naked, we're vulnerable. We're exposed. We got to do something. And and, and prayer, that's the first step. To admit to God, God, we've got to have help but to just pray to a God who's saying, I've been hearing you, I've been hearing you, I've been hearing you. What are you going to do? What are we going to do together? I will promise you one thing. You will have opportunities for this discussion about this last occurrence of violence together as a community and i encourage you to pray for those kids in florida that god will in some way use them as they're already rising up to get some changes now anything we do is not going to completely fix the problem and yeah you can make an argument well if it's not a an, an ar 15 it could be a, a a quail gun or it could be a somebody said a thermos my gosh A thermos. Yeah, you can use a thermos as a weapon. How many people are picking up thermoses and going into schools and killing kids? We've got to be realistic. And we have to let our lawmakers know that this is serious and has to stop. The gun lobby should be leading the way too. If you're a member of the NRA, you tell them you expect them to help lead the way. They have more, the the gun lobby has more to lose than nearly anybody in this. And they should, they should wake up. I think I better quit. (laughs) But you hear me. We need to do this not because we're Democrats or Republicans. We need to do this not because we're gun owners or not gun owners. We need to be active because we're Christians. Amen. And we and we realize our fallen nature and where that leads to destruction and to a propensity of caving into evil. And we know there's a better way. We know that before we get through with this Lenten journey, that we're going to be in another garden, and we're going to hear our Lord pray a prayer in that garden. Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done, God. And then we're going to see another tree in the middle of the garden, and on that tree, our Savior, who represents all that is good and great about God, was crucified. And we're going to know that's not the end of the story. I want to tell you the end of the story. We're going to go to another garden where there's an empty tomb. And that empty tomb is about new life. And I'm not talking about just the new life that we get when our life here is over. I'm talking about how God wants to redeem and change life here. That's what the resurrection is all about. Changing life here toward the promises of God. Woo, it's going to be a good journey. Will you go with me on this journey? Will you hear the promises of God anew on this journey? Will you pray as we enter this journey about the pain that we experience today that God will somehow find a way to redeem it? Not just for us, but especially for those families in Florida and especially our nation that God will redeem the worst of circumstances into the light of resurrection. I'm through.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today for inspirational worship at Lovers Lane United Methodist Church. We invite you to tune in each week at 9.30 on this great station. As always, we welcome you to worship with us in person each Sunday morning at 8.15, 9.30 or 11 a.m. We also invite you to our contemporary worship service that begins at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning at Lover's Lane United Methodist Church. Again, we're located at the corner of Northwest Highway and Inwood Road, Dallas, Texas. Or you can call us at 214-691-4721. For more information about our church and service times, go to www.llumc.org. That web address again is www.llumc.org. We'll be looking for you in person at Lovers Lane United Methodist Church next week. And remember, all are welcome here at Lovers Lane.